What a nice episode, number 69. Oh, why didn't we say that? <laughs> it was really nice. We've, we we leaned into we leaned into all the 69 nice jokes for like the first five minutes and then we just completely forgot. Oh my gosh, what a waste. <laughs> you can like it. I said in the call out, we're never going to get to do another episode. Like, we've got to, for it to be this nice again, we're going to have to get to episode 6969. Player 2 Pixelcast episode 69! Nice. We did it, guys. We made it. Yeah. You know, when I was, like, 12, I had no idea that 69 meant anything, and I'm pretty sure none of my friends did either. I expect that all. In fact, you know, we have a teacher here. Steve, welcome. Do your students know what the fuck 69 is special for? Absolutely. The, the, the more hilarious <laughs> thing is if any of them bring it up and you say, nice, they then acknowledge the nice as well. Like, everyone, everyone knows... It, apparently, I guess the kids who are especially online know it. it. Yeah, it. I'm not even sure when it happened. It's such a weirdly specific thing. Yeah, I, I guess it's just it's like the new typing boobs something. into your calculator. It's just more efficient to use two numbers. <laughs> Ninety six, not as popular. I don't know. It would be the same thing, huh? Yeah. It doesn't sound as. Or do they do they face the other way? In a ninety-six, and that's it's like, just roll reversal. That's why you just yeah, you just backwards. You're facing opposite directions, so I can see why that's not as nice. That's maybe that's maybe that's the sixty-nine. It's, a, it's a even more specifically targeted. <laughs> Spicing. We're going to spice up the sixty-nining with like some ninety-sixes in a decade or so. Anyway, Sean, you look a little bit distressed. <laughs> I'm just sitting here taking this conversation in. It, it, you know, I should have expected something like this, but you know. In my naivety, I did not. You so. you thought for a moment that we were going to not be juvenile enough to indulge I, the episode number. I, I thought there. I oh, thought yes. with a teacher with a teacher here that we we'd be responsible adults. I was I'm not wrong. on the I'm not on the clock right now. <laughs> also, the first thing the teacher said was that the kids know what sixty nine is, and you can say nice after they say sixty nine. Keep keep in mind, I'm working with senior students a lot of the time, so. We're talking about people who are 17 and 18. All right, so maybe some of them have 69. No comment. <laughs> That's probably a very smart answer. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's probably also probably just as well we're not talking I about I don't know. I don't want to know. That's just probably paperwork I'd have to fill out. I, the, I love I, that I, the reason is paperwork. That's, that's why. <laughs> I mean, there's uh, many reasons. I, I just like anyway. sitting over there being like, ah, oh, yes, the one before 70. <laughs> yes, the one after 68. I didn't, hey, when I threw my hand up for it, I didn't even pay attention to the number. Like, I was expecting the usual, like, you know, with with the 69 nights that everybody would be going, yeah, this is the one I want to do. And, yeah. Um, now, yeah, now you know why you're the only one here. <laughs> yep. It was like a wasted opportunity that it came too late. Like, it really came after we started scoring everything out of 100. And keep like, scoring games out of 100 is incredibly stupid. But with, like, your 70 being your default, I don't really have strong feelings about this game one way or the other number. The potential to, like, 69, a bunch of video games in the 90s was there, and we just never took it. Anyway, if we sound like we are digressing a lot, it's because this episode is... We did this, I think, last year, and it's something I'd like to do, I don't know, once or twice every year, is we're just going to... 
something else completely, basically. We're going to talk about what we're playing in the first half and then just, like, indulge some other interests because it turns out, you know, we don't play video games 24-7. Um, don't worry, the second half will probably still be somewhat geeky and whatnot, though. But, yeah, this is the only half about video games player two picks cast. But I do say half, though, um, which means we do have some, and I've just realized, Sean, this is actually quite cute that your game is relevant in some weird named <coughs> way to what you're going to talk about later. You've, you've been reviewing Fist, or yes. F-I-S-T. Um, yeah, short for Forged in Shadow Torch. Um, I love me a tortured, tortured acronym. Oh, yeah. Initialism, yeah. sorry. <laughs> Ooh, no, yeah. acronym. Acronym. It also it also helps that your main character has a giant mech fist, so you know just for that real beautiful pairing up there. Um, anyway, yes, um, side scrolling Metroidvania. This thing looks absolutely gorgeous. Um, just the the way they've done the backgrounds and everything. Um, it looks like a full three D three D world, even though you're only obviously going side to side. Um, but goddamn, is it hard! I like you you fight your way through the normal guys and you're going all right everything's sort of you know rocking rolling come to a boss bang fucked and Ooh, not my favorite like, thing no like it's some of these some of them you, I, it's like oh okay you know once or twice you can you know you die there's always a save point just near them that heals you up first and everything and so then after that you're like yep cool bang done um but there's a couple there which just had me going back again and again and again like there was one that he was just pummeling me and i'm like shit 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 about after about 10 tries i finally got his health down i'm like i've got that last hit and i'm like yeah i beat oh, you no. i know where this is going his health bar fills up. He has a buddy, buddy jump in, and then I just get fucked up because I'm like, "What the hell?" And yeah, um, that wasn't even. That his is final one of my least favorite things in video yeah. games: is the whole "You think you finished? No, you haven't. This is a definite game over now." Yeah. Um. So, like, there was a lot of times there where I had to put the controller down and just walk away. Um. Fortunately. The developers were actually listening. Um, they're TI Games, based in China, um, and they're actually so they pushed out a patch while I was playing it for review, which actually introduced an easy mode. Um, huh. By that point, I was up to like the second last boss of the game. Um, basically, he was the gatekeeper before the final, the final boss fight, and. Um, I was getting my ass kicked by him like thirty times. Couldn't couldn't take him out. Couldn't even get halfway through his three health bars and switch it to easy mode. Jump in there. Fucked him up first go. Move on. Wow, so that's a big and, um, difference. Yeah, like it probably the easy mode they it, they've probably gone way too far in upping upping your um, in buffing your character and you know debuffing everyone else yeah, like um, an overcorrection yeah like if they had something sort of in the middle between those that's probably what I would have appreciated like enough to be a challenge but you know because like I know there are people that did manage to finish it on the normal difficulty but I wasn't one of them if if they hadn't patched that easy mode in that I wouldn't have got it finished because I couldn't I couldn't just spend hour after hour trying to beat this one dude just to continue the storyline. 
I'm a bit curious. You say it's really hard, but it sounds like it's just the bosses. It's like the game sounds like it's fine, it's fine, it's fine. Then how many bosses are there? How m- what percentage of the game are we talking here? Oh shit! I look. There's three main three main bosses where you're really where it just really scales up the difficulty and like in in part because you know you're they've got completely different movesets from anything you've seen before so you're trying to adapt to that um like for example the 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 second second last guy that i had to face right he's sort of based on a sumo wrestler and when you go in through his first health bar, he'll do a stomp thing, which sends an energy wave at you. And then you know he's going to jump towards you. So it's easy enough to dodge that, right? Then as soon as you get that first health bar down, he sprouts another two two arms, jumps up onto the roof and shoots these fireballs that take up about 75 to 80% of the battle Screen, area. Yep. And then he does this spinning move that even on the easy level, I could not avoid that, that attack. And like, it just upgrades his attacks so much more and just drills you that fast. And you do have a way to recover health while you're playing through a little drink thing, but the time it takes to do the animation to, you know, pull it out, drink it and have that health effect kick in, um, just there wasn't enough time for it so yeah like there's there was for me there was three three main bosses that just really caused me grief the first two i managed to get past and then it was the third one the the sumo dude that i just could not take him down without going to the easy mode so yeah i I took the easy way out but i wanted I'd, i'd i'd put that much time into the game at that point that I wanted to see the ending. I wanted, to know, I wanted to know how it ends. So I'm like, fuck it. I will go to easy mode. I will take that hit to my ego so I can see the end. So, And then I was disappointed by the end, end cutscene anyway. You could have just so, YouTubed it. I could have. I could have. But well, funnily enough, there's not a lot of... Um, not a lot of... Uh, info out there on this game like you know like I tried looking up because I knew there were people that had already finished reviewing it and stuff like that so like I don't look at other people's reviews and shit but I look for you know in reddit chats to see if anybody had viable tactics to take down this sumo wrestler dude and there was just bugger all information to find and the thing is it's a really good game yes it has these difficulty curve problems difficulty spikes but like you know the combat feels really tight you've got three different methods uh three different weapons that you end up unlocking um like you 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 come across an area where it just goes into solid platforming territory where you're just avoiding spinny blades and shit like that like it, it this game really grabbed me and i did enjoy playing it um just yeah had that difficulty spike that you know made me want so, to rage if i give you two options here Okay. Theoretical ways this game could be changed. One is the bosses are just made easier. The other is the regular enemies are made more difficult in ways that are relevant to what you would need to do to take on the boss fight. Which of those do you think would result in the better overall? I would bring down certain boss fights. Um, like, there's no problem in having to learn and get used to it you know you find the patterns and stuff but 
yeah, those the three particular ones that I had trouble with, I'm talking like 15 plus times I had to do these to get through them. Um, and that will get through the first two of them and that was on the normal difficulty level. And even one of them, it was just luck that I just managed to get the last hit before he took the last bit of my life and let me progress through the game. That must have felt so good. Could have also oh. felt so bad if it had gone so very slightly differently. Oh, like, <laughs> believe me, when I first beat the the duo, when when his buddy comes in, the first when I finally beat him, I'm like, fuck you, you piece of shit, I won. And then I put the controller down and went and had a drink and, like, just needed to calm down a bit because I was just there. And you know how it is. You get really invested and you, you're moving around and you're throwing yourself around as you're trying to trying to do the controls and stuff and then yeah it happened and boom but yes uh bringing the difficulty down of you know certain bosses would uh definitely make this a lot more appealing but then again now that they've got that easy mode in there you could literally try a boss if you can't get it within a couple of times switch it to easy mode plow through the boss switch it back to normal mode and you can continue on as normal so, and because they originally designed it with only that one level, there's no hit to your trophies or anything mm. like that. If that's the sort of thing that matters to you, does that matter to you, Steve? Uh, not particularly. It sounds like the whole argument of, oh, oh there shouldn't happens. be an easy mode in Dark Souls or something. Like, who cares? Like, play how you want. Some people play yeah. that game on level one, and does that mean they're better than you, Mr. I use the you know drake sword or whatever to get through the early sections i mean yes it does but who cares just yeah, that, as long as you're having fun that's all that really matters and it sounds yeah, the like only argument i get with those, dark, dark souls that makes sense is that there are some people who found something that they really enjoyed that would never have found it had they been given an easy option in the first place yeah and, and that's, but but that's the, part of the experience no it's not like the hmm. developers say we're gonna set it too easy for you like that's a choice you make and if you lack the self-control to stay on the standard difficulty because you're like, I need to play it on standard, but then it's too hard for me. Like, that's a you problem. That's not an anyone problem. Like, play how you want. Who cares? My solution would be like, you just were stuck with the difficulty that you choose at the beginning of the game. So you were like, you were acknowledging from the get-go. Anyway. And and that's the thing they could do. They could make that an extra option. Like, do you want us to set it to standard, but you can't change it from standard? Or do you want to set it to standard, but you can always change it when you want later? I mean, just give people options. Who cares? Like, Mm. play what you want. Open up a salad bar. How you want. I mean, that is not not flipped into um, Lost Judgment anyway that I hoped it might potentially do so. But um, (laughs) I've been playing that game that I wanted to be reviewing. I have. It's, um, yeah, we... It's been tricky because we didn't get it as early as would have been helpful. So um, I'm think about two. <laughs> I didn't get the thing I was supposed to be reviewing at all. So you know, that's... <laughs> we're about two third. I'm about two thirds of the way through it, uh, and it's more judgment. Uh, it's using uh, the Ijinchor setting from uh, Yakuza Seven in parts of it. So you get to um, travel between it and um, Kamurocho quite a bit. I mean, and they've made the assets they're going to use them yeah and I mean that's I oh no we're going to get people complaining about Yakuza reusing assets there's already been enough discourse about that um but yeah so they are reusing that stuff and it's it's um I feel like it's the kind of thing I like to see in a sequel it's streamlined it's a lot of what I liked about the first game 
it doesn't feel like they're trying to do too much different but at this point one of the things that i've really noticed about it is that the first um judgment game i think it was very locked down for the first section of the game i think somewhere like the first seven hours was basically (sighs) you just being pushed through the main story before it opened up and let you really do anything else i think that's uh, an issue huso found with it as well when he played it he like felt very confined for the first half a dozen hours or so this thing opens up by about hour three to four and just starts to let you go and do some other stuff and i feel like it doesn't seem as overwhelming whereas the earlier games try to make you like run through every single possible thing you can do to some degree yeah whereas this is just like oh yeah there's some side stuff we're not going to push it on you here's the main story you can pretty much plow through that straight away if you want although it might be tricky because you won't be as upgraded had you done some side stuff and the side stuff is readily available so i've done some of it um a lot of it does seem to fall on the main path of this one quite a bit so you're on your way to a main story mission and there's a bunch of side stuff on the way so you can just duck in and get that done and none of it really outstays its welcome i think it feels like they've tightened up the length of some of the side missions so Hmm they're not you know going to take you an hour or so most of them are 10 to 20 minutes at best if that so you know it's a good payoff so you're like oh well if i duck out over here i'm going to get a good chunk of experience and a good chunk of money so i can buy some new equipment or upgrade my skills and abilities and some weird shit's gonna happen oh yeah it's i mean it's judgment so it's not as weird as some of the stuff in yakuza like and i feel like potentially they've started to tone some of that down that they now have more of an eye towards that foreign audience. I think they've realized that as much as they love their domestic audience, there's such a larger audience for the games outside of Japan that I think, I don't know. It just feels like maybe they've toned some of those elements down a little bit. Like there's that sucks. It does. Cause I, that's some of the stuff that I liked. Like, you know, Yakuza three had so much of it cut out and people complained. And then Yakuza four gave us like, everything and from that point on they kept doing that and this like i've barely seen any hostess stuff in it and that's usually like you know at least one of the main side gigs in the Mm. game is running your hostess bar and things like that so it feels like they've maybe tightened some of that up or i just haven't been going out of my way to do as much of the side stuff i think it could be series identity where you the yakuza games are going to be the ones that go all in crazy and Yakuza 7, I still haven't played it, but Yakuza 7 does look like it is all in crazy. And especially when you know you've got re- re- um, reputable actors and whatnot in a line, they're going to like try and take this one to be just like a little bit more self-serious. It does feel that way. Like, I think it just works with the nature of the protagonist as well. Like, uh, obviously they lent into the wackiness with the Yakuza 7 protagonist and his love of Dragon Quest and that being like, you know, the prism through which he viewed everything in the game. But the protagonist in Judgment and Lost Judgment, he's a much more uh, straight-laced kind of character. You know, obviously being an ex-lawyer and now a detective, uh, it Mm. leans a bit harder into that. So it does make sense that there's less shenanigans, I would say. Like, it would really be odd for him to be running a hostess bar. Not in a Yakuza game, it wouldn't, but... No, uh, not in a Yakuza game. I mean, ex-lawyer, ex-lawyer. Um... (laughs) Actually, the thing I wanted to know is the first, the original game, like, generally well received, but the actual, you know, being a detective part of the detective game was apparently, like, way too simple and just kind of bleh. 
Has that I, been it's fleshed out or streamlined or anything? They've fleshed it out a little bit more. Um, they've added some stealth sections, which I can take them or leave them, to be honest. Uh, I think there is a little bit more investigating, so you do have to... It's not. Even, I think you just, it's just an observation. Like they call it investigating, but you're you're literally just observing clues around an area and trying to you know put things together. It's as simplistic as the first game, so it's you know detective flavored. It's not really a detective it game. Sounds like it, they've just given lip service to the idea of fleshing it out. Yeah, it's you, you know it's not like Phoenix right where you're looking for you know holes in someone's testimony as much and things like that, but. I, it it still gives off good vibes and the storyline is really interesting it's looking at um you know bullying and the ramifications I mean it's a that. Japanese crime thing it is going to look at bullying yeah. that's yeah and so it's um it's it leans really hard into that and there's a high school setting as well that um you end up spending a bit of time in and then you've got all of the the clubs that you can start to associate with in the high school so that's uh I guess that's where they've lent more into those sorts of aspects where they're looking at things that are more specific to Japanese culture, which is cool for people who are into that stuff. Um, but really, really enjoying it. I've, you know, I think I've got probably a half a dozen hours left to go before I'll roll credits. And of course, it's doing the twists and turns and the, you know, dramatic unfolding of events that all of the Yakuza and Judgment games tend to do where there's, you know, a mystery inside the mystery and suddenly yeah. how are you reaching the story so far with it like i mean they're all generally pretty good but some are stronger than others it's good uh i mean i'm enjoying it so far and it's still it's got that sort of you know pulpy feel to it which makes sense it's yeah it's I on mean... par with it's on par with a lot of the yakuza games i think any of the yakuza games that would be elevated above it only do so because of prior investment in that series so I still think Yakuza 0 and Yakuza 6 are probably the best Yakuza games, but that's purely by virtue of, one, the gameplay being amazing in Yakuza 0, but the storyline, you're already so invested in those characters that they can do things that resonate much more with you. Whereas with Lost Judgment, um, you know, Yagami has only had one prior game. So I think if we got to a fourth or a fifth or a sixth um, Judgment game, then they can start to do some things with the characters around him as well because obviously by the time you get to Yakuza 6 it's not just the main characters that you care about but there's all these side characters who've been popping up in every game so it'll be interesting to see if they can get to that point with Judgment if they but, can get to yeah. that point <laughs> I think it'd be a shame if they didn't I'm glad that they are keeping this franchise going and I hope that they can continue it because it is it's it's more of that Yakuza flavour but it's just different enough that it doesn't feel like I'm retreading the same ground. And I'm, I'm assuming you're playing on PS5. Yep, PS5. Does it so actually in any way look like a PS5 game yet, or is it still kind of a... Uh, it, I think the biggest improvements are noticeably the frame rate. It does give you a resolution option, and that thing looks like bollocks um, because of the way those assets are made, the resolution bump that you get isn't as exciting as the frame rate bump you get because when you choose that resolution mode it i don't know if it's the frame pacing but it feels and looks so sluggish it just feels really inconsistent in the way it's running uh even in interior environments so i think i spent huh. like a handful of minutes in the resolution mode and bailed and went straight back to the um, performance mode 
which is great it's full 60 frames per second it's um it's how those games should feel like they're so action orientated that you just want it to feel silky smooth so the resolution mode has not done it for me at all unfortunately i don't know if that's a thing they can patch but maybe very important question about the 60 frames per second which is does alex kid in miracle world play at 60 frames per second that's a good question it did feel like it was um it's the the rom stuff is pretty robust actually you can even change the language versions and oh yeah it's but like you have to collect the roms throughout the world some of them so you have to like buy them in stores and stuff like that so you don't have the full uh, Master System set unlocked from the get-go, but Alex Kidd... I'm weirdly okay with is, that, but assuming yeah. Alex is built in... Yeah, it's the yeah it's it's one... It's unlocked from the get-go. So, yeah... I'm weirdly excited about this, because it turns out that the remake of Alex Kidd in Miracle World, which was actually looking pretty good, is actually running at, like, 50 hertz. So the that's, frame rate just keeps on clipping the whole way through. That's odd. An odd so decision. a chance to play pure Alex Kidd, which was basically the first game I ever bought... Being that, like, the first system I ever bought was Master System 2. Well, um, I think, it, weirdly enough, for a lot of people living in Australia, especially if you're in the sort of socioeconomic circumstances that I was in growing up, we did not have Nintendo money, but we had Sega money, uh, and the Master <laughs> System 2 was very affordable, so that's the system we had. And of course, It was a bit cheaper than the NES. It had a built-in yeah. game, so you got Alex Kidd and Miracle World built in. Turn that bad boy on with no cartridge... Like you're right there. Cool, our musical break will be brought to you by Steve. <laughs> no, I, I'm weird. I'm weirdly psyched. Like a big part of why I want this game is I just want to play Master System shit. <laughs> I really wanted Sega to make a Master System what mini, an and I know it was just never big enough internationally for it to happen. Such an elaborate, you know, plan to play Master System games. Like I don't want to download an emulator. I'm going to buy Lost Judgment, and I'm going to play games inside games. It is also possible that I want to play Lost Judgment, but yeah, it is I, helping the enablement a lot. It's, it's two birds with one stone, I guess. One slightly more expensive stone than an emulator yeah. would be. But it works, and it's good, and, you know, you can go into, you know, your club Sega and play some of the cool arcade games in there that they've got in there, and, you know, I like... There's a, <laughs> it's cute the know, club Sega still exists. Arcades are dead, man, even in Japan. Well, yeah, a pandemic will do that. Sadly. I was be- it was happening before that. But, um... I held on to the dream, but... <laughs> I just feel... I you know, the poor attendants there having to wipe everything down the minute anyone touches anything. Touches it. And then it turns out that surface transfer is not really the kicker anyway. Um... No. <laughs> but you know what I did play an arcade game in literally earlier this afternoon? What? Deltarune. Part 2. Or as Steve hates to acknowledge it, Undertale with the letters all jumbled up. Yeah, it's so clever, Toby Fox. I don't think he's trying to be clever. He just went fuck it. I'm pretty sure he's where it's at. <laughs> I know. So, yeah, I, um, how is it, Tim? How is it, Delta Rune? Um, I don't know as much as I could, and I don't know if this is my fault or not. But so I played the first part of Delta Rune. It didn't, and it felt like it was like really starting to get going. It really felt like like an opening chapter, like it was setting a. And to be fair, with Undertale as well, Undertale actually takes... Oh, little like that demo I think they released of the Kickstarter of Undertale was kind of like, eh. And then once it gets going, it really gets going. Unless you're Steve. Steve apparently hates Undertale. Everybody direct your hate comments at Steve. Hate is such a strong word. Just didn't care for. Didn't care for. One of the greatest games of the last generation. I've, I've (laughs) I've never played it. 
Please it direct is... all hate to Sean. Redirect it from there. We go. <laughs> no, just somebody's gift Sean a copy of Undertale. Um, actually, the biggest mystery with Delta Rune is like how it is taking so long. I mean, it's cool that part one is free, and then because of the pandemic, he's just decided part two is free. Um, but I can't imagine that Toby Fox, the main almost sole creator, I think, of Undertale and now Delta Rune would be struggling for time like Undertale must have sold like 5 million copies across platforms and that doesn't have to be shared amongst a team like I don't think he has to have a day job no I'm sure it's like the concerned ape isn't it who made um Stardew Valley like I read Mm. an article about him and yeah dude's just loaded like it's just the way it is when you uh, it's like he made a good game timed it right and bang a lot of people made good games and didn't time it right and yeah you know not bang that's good Still maybe 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 they got to buy a new PC or something and then it was yeah. back to work. Um, I, but, um, it also feels to me like there's such a passionate fan base behind it that even if he personally has moved on and isn't interested in it, there's still maybe that looming over him to get it done. But I'm sure we've all had to do things we don't really want to do and it's very hard to push through that push in a timely through. fashion. I don't know the guy, and to be fair, I've not really been reading up about his development, so I have no idea what the hell's going on or who's got other projects, and he just said, I'm making this when I feel like it, bitches. Yeah, I mean, anyway, I played through the first one, like, 2019, when it first came out, and I'm not sure if this is my fault or not, but I had to play the last boss fight again. Like, I'm not sure if it's just I failed to save it the last time I um finished it, so I was like, I'm going to go into Delta in Part 2, and I'm like, why is this opening... Right now, like, walk into a room and get into a fight. This doesn't seem right. And then I get to the fight. And then I get this memory of, oh, I remember the way this kind of ended now. This is this is the game again. And then eventually close and open Chapter 2. So mo- I could have been probably two or three hours into um, Chapter 2. Instead, I'm probably a little over an hour in. Mm. Um, and it seems he's found, finding some ways to, like... So I guess if anybody doesn't really know what Undertale is, it kind of... Imagine somewhere between mechanically almost a NES RPG running on a computer from the 80s, visually. Um, and combat is sort of like a bullet hell, like a, like a little screen will open in the middle and you basically dodge shit and it finds a pretty, pretty creative way to do that. And it's possible to not kill anything. Like, you can... It's very nice. Basically, it has a very pacifist message overall. It, and then you can get through the game without killing anybody, and it's all sweet and cute, and then there's some revelations at the end. It's finally getting to something that's starting to happen at the beginning of the second chapter of Delta Rune, which seems so obvious, I'm now second-guessing of did this happen before, which is if you, instead of killing, you spare enough of the people that you fight with, you know, by either patting them on the head or rubbing their bellies or whatever. It, it, it has a strange sense of humor, and it leans all the way in. Hmm. Then they will move to this town, that you helped liberate effectively in the first chapter. It just seems like there's such a logical extension of this idea of you are sparing all these lives and they have to go somewhere. Yeah. That I'm still not sure was was it already done and I'm just like overthinking it. I, but that, from I mean that doesn't ring any bells to me in other like the logistics I, of not murdering a bunch of people is that they then have to have somewhere for them to go and live mm. so it seems like it's adding a town building element I, if I had played more maybe I'd have a better idea of that. Well, it is adding it how in depth it goes I have no idea 
Hmm. And there've also been a couple of things said, either in the dialogue or actually within the game's venues itself, that implies that maybe it's going to try and be a little bit bit more nuanced with the idea of maybe sometimes you will have to use violence. Maybe that is going to be the only or the best solution. Hmm. Which, that's going to be an interesting route for that to walk us. Like, Undertale was very much, and adorably, adorably so, like, its thing was actually, you could go all the other way as well. But its real thing was that if you were willing to not level up and just being incredibly weak, you could play that entire game without taking a single life. It would be hard as hell but it was like just built on this idea that everything could be spared. So if it's going to try and actually get a bit more nuanced with that morals, with those morals, it'd be interesting to see how well it handles that. Yeah, I, maybe you know that's sort of maybe Undertale is the idealist angle, and maybe Deltarune is him starting to look at other sort of philosophies behind use of force, like as you said, maybe violence is the answer sometimes <laughs> I don't know maybe you do need to just force a vaccine into this guy's arm so he doesn't infect everybody else in the fucking cave well, that would be timely it, it would be um there's been one reference actually to yeah there's one weirdly cute social distancing reference but I mean the game is still irreverent and like um super weird there's a traffic jam and for some reason the cop at the who was supposed to be directing traffic is just now using one of the cars as like just literally lifting up in the air as like a weight um to get ripped and that's pretty much standard for the sort of behavior you should expect from any of the characters in this game and I wonder what this is going to be like for people listening to this who have never played Undertale because I'm looking at Sean right now and he is just like what <laughs> what are yeah, you even I'm, talking about mate I'm, I'm just sitting here trying to take it in and I'm just like fuck I'm glad I missed that one it just sounds like a whole ball of crazy uh, uh, so yeah, yeah I suppose trying to understand it without having experienced it at all you know that's just yeah Undertale's had, an interesting game you had to be there uh, I, I feel like in a Undertale, way you did I feel like Undertale's a li- it's a little bit like deconstructing of the genre and at least that specific time period of those genre as well so I think you get more out of it if you have experienced a lot of NES and SNES, specifically RPGs or JRPGs, mm. I should say. That um, I sort of. I sort John has played a lot of JRPGs. I think he stands to get a lot out of Undertale. Like, I, I, or Delta I, Rune, which I the was, first two chapters I are free. Was NES and SNES. Yeah. Growing so up. if you like, if we, you we had that Nintendo money somehow, I don't know how, but we had that <laughs> Nintendo money. If you love um, Earthbound, you'll probably get something out of Undertale. Because I think it was very much going for similar things in a way, but also it's very much its own beast. Uh, or, or Deltarune, the first two chapters. I mean, it was supposed to be just the first chapter was going to be free. And then the, that initial trailer said, more chapters coming in brackets will not be free. Mm. And he's made <laughs> the second one free with just the basic idea that COVID's been hard for everybody. Hey, if you can afford it. And I guess, like... Actually, I'm looking forward to this enablement as well. It's like, if you can afford it, maybe buy some other indies game instead. Like, d- d- yeah. this is hard. That's Except nice. for, so he's... Yeah, when I when I finish this, I am looking forward to feeling enabled to just freely just look through my Steam and switch which list and go, you know what? Yeah, you have some money. Bang, I'm going to buy your game. Toby Fox told me to give you money. Yeah, say... Thanks, Toby. I know nothing about Toby Fox. It is super weird that, like, his name is so clearly ingrained in everybody's... 
I, I guess on everybody. It's an easy name to remember. It is an easy name to remember. Yeah, maybe. What if it turns out his name is an anagram or something else? Would you then just like lose your head? I and I just it would make sense. I'd be like, of course. I mean, one of my best friends, his surname is Fox, and it's like when they first emigrated, like it used to be Fox. Oh yeah. Hmm. And like at some point, some within lineage, they decided to change it. But Toby Fox is a great name. <laughs> I mean, I guess it depends what kind of work you're in. <laughs> but Toby, I don't know why Toby is a very good name for that. Um. Also, yeah, the music's also um pretty good and actually kind of cutely tied into the gameplay pretty early on here. And I'm going to use that as a very simple segue to say, hey, let's um play some music for about a minute or so, and when we come back, no more video games. And we're back. And I am going to say I am fearless. I promise no video games talking other interests. Um, and although Sean has said he will chop me across the face and cut my head off, I'm going to make him go first. <laughs> Sean! Yes? You want to tell everybody why martial arts is... A- I mean, Cobra Kai is hot right now. Like, you've chosen a good time. Uh, it is, it is. But, um, see, uh, I'm... I'm- you know, Stephen's going to disagree with me, but you know, I'm, I'm a little bit more uh, better than the karate that they that they uh, you know teach you down at the local YMCA. Um, traditional Shaolin kung fu, man, I love this shit. So, setting up the scene, a couple of years ago, my uh, eldest child was in about year five, and I'm like, you know what? They're going to high school in a couple of years. I don't want anyone to fuck with them. So I start looking around. Find find uh, Shifu that teaches, you know, Kung Fu. And I'm going in there and I'm thinking, I'm thinking straight away. I'm thinking, oh, yeah, cool. Jackie Chan type stuff, you know, flips, spins, kicks. I get in love that you're a grown man and you still signed up for a martial arts lesson thinking it was going to be like something out of Kill Bill. Well, like, like I mean, obviously, well? obviously not straight away I mean oh here I was an overweight you know going on middle aged man it's gonna take me a while to you know jump move around like please Jackie tell me you showed up years. wearing like a singlet with a can of VB in your hand when you're like rocked up. <laughs> singlet yes VB no but anyway um so we're talking about the dream. and uh the words he said still stick with me today and it is awesome he goes alright he goes so I want to put something out there for you first. He's like, we're not flashy. He goes, you see the the movies, you know, the, the Shaolin Monk stage show. And we're like, oh, yeah, that's all cool. He's like, we don't do that here. Uh, okay. He goes, we come in, we finish the fight and go home. And I'm like, cool. 
that's what I want my daughter to. That's what I want my child to learn. So that if anybody uh, decides to bully them in high school, they'll put them down hard. Ascent, hopefully, they uh, haven't had to do that yet. But uh, knowing that they're a part of this and um, apparently has a reputation around the school as kung fu, kung fu girl. Anyway, so but yes, that's gonna um, be interesting. Come dating season. <clears throat> Um, oh, look, well, look, I mean, I don't have to worry about her getting pregnant. So, <laughs> I'm, I'm a happy, I'm a happy dad. So I, I don't have to worry about that. I love that. I thought we, this is going to be Sean talks about how much he like has discovered and enjoys practicing martial arts. And it's well, cool no, no, and no, it's it, exercise it, 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 and he's made friends and it's actually just dad saying, get your hands off my daughter. Here's, here's the thing, right? I, I... I took them to that lesson thinking, you know what, it'd be cool for me to have a crack and, you know, I fell in love with this stuff. Like, I I now, I am my Shifu's first disciple. So... Oh, wow. Um, basically, what happened is, the, the short version is, uh, however many years ago, um, a guy that was a monk came over to Australia. He was um, working at ANU in Canberra. While he was here, he decided to start teaching. One of those students got really involved with it, absolutely loved it, went over to China and basically got certified by the Chinese government. He is one of only two Westerners that are allowed to to, to do gradings of, um, of, this, of Shaolin martial arts. And... Um, so yeah, he's been teaching for years and for a bunch of years now, and one of his disciples was mine. And yeah, I've um, so I I am legitimately a thirty fourth generation disciple of the Shaolin Temple in China, which is pretty cool. That's kind of cool. So it, it's it's the sort of thing. It's it's in my Twitter bio. I'm like, as soon as I got that, I'm like, yeah, I'm updating this shit. This is this is going up there. That's the sort of thing that you put up there for people to go what the hell and then you explain to them and they're like oh okay but yeah like it's as I said it's this kung fu it isn't flashy it isn't showing off but I just fell in love with it to the point that I just committed to doing it it helped me stop smoking um because I was being held back from progressing because I was a smoker so I stopped I ended up stopping that in order to keep going um, my knuckles look like a gorilla's, um, because we do everything barehanded. So, and for part of my disciple grading, I had to do four different breaks through double layers of wood. And then after that, and demonstrating all the forms, combos from all the different levels and whatever, 10 knuckle drops from standing onto Ouch. a wooden board. Mm. Just one after the other. Bang, 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 bang. I had, I'd split my knuckles open by that point and was bleeding and everything, but I managed to pass. And just the pride and feeling of that when they said, yep, bang. I got. I have my own disciple name now, which is um, Yang Shiju, which translates... Um, part of it, like, they take it... They take the first part of your name from a pole... Every generation gets the next letter 
in the poll. So because I'm 34th generation, I get the 34th, the 34th uh, character um, word, which is the Yang. Changing. And then, yeah. And then um, the Shiju, which is enduring. So I'm going to get those tattooed on me when the tattoo studio is open. Um, yeah, I just, I love this thing. I I am that invested in it now. Not only does my eldest daughter do it, my wife does it, my youngest daughter does it. Um, our whole family is just slowly progressing. I want to I wanna know where the shade that, that you're throwing at karate came from. <laughs> um, oh, look, my uncle was a karate instructor when I was a kid. And yeah, I just, I had no time for it. I tried. I tried a couple of times and just like, yeah, nah. I mean, come on. When you say karate or Shaolin, which one sounds more badass? And the, the karate has a very like hard, choppy thing to it. Like that, I imagine. <laughs> like, I imagine like water for like Chinese martial arts and just something very rigid for Japanese. Oh, it depends I, on the d- style. Th- it mm, probably so. depends a lot. Like, I have a friend who is quite high up at Aikido, and his party trick when he gets drunk is to just to hold you in very painful positions to prove that he can do it. Oh yeah, I think I've, it's just a, I've got some of them as well. You know, I think it's every, just a martial arts dick measuring thing. Like everyone's like, yeah. oh, oh, that style. <laughs> <laughs> so the, you oh. can like someone, someone from Krav Maga is going to tell you everything else is shit, and someone yeah. who does any, you know, I don't care. I would love to see a brunk, drunken brawl between a bunch of people really high up in like a <laughs> bunch of different martial arts, just like. Determined to prove that they're all garbage. I am completely against the philosophy of what a lot of these stand for, by the way. Before all of these, before COVID really exploded over here, um, and in New South Wales and Victoria and everything, I was actually looking at training up to enter a tournament. So, because I wanted to see what it was like to actually be in a real fight and put my training into use. But my Shifu told me. We had to train for X amount of time before that because I've got to dumb down a lot of what I do. A lot of our moves are just, as I said, you know, finish the fight. So, you know, if someone comes at me with a punch, one of the combos I've got in Yeah, you're not supposed to actually break guys' legs, I think, in these things. Exactly, but one of the combos I have right now, so I'll block, I'll elbow them in the sternum, do a tiger claw down onto their junk, and then rip it back up and back into Okay, all right, we're... I'm going to just stop you at the, like, ripping guys' junks off. Um, but, like, but what I'm saying is, like, you know, obviously you're not allowed to do that in a, in a Yeah, in a ring, I'm not surprised. So I've got to, I've really got to dumb it down a bit. And then COVID hit and I haven't been able to train in person. Hmm. Um, All right, I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to say we need to, like, roll this on. Steve, please tell me none of your board games involve <laughs> ripping people's genitals off. No. Some of the stuff in karate did, but... Um... That's, See, it's not yeah. just me. I uh, it's the thing with uh, I'll just tag on what Sean was saying about that. So if you if you're going into like like probably a NAS tournament like National All Styles because that's one of the few that let anyone from any style compete. Normally, you only go up against people in your same style or even your own club if it's that limited. Um, yeah, it's similar to UFC in that there are rules, so um, they do have to have like a. Uh, like a set standard of things you can do and it's you know fairly similar so some styles 
do tend to do better in those than others. Although it can come down to practitioners. Like, obviously, if there's a style that you would generally say doesn't do very well against other styles, but someone from that style just happens to be fan-freaking-tastic and mm. wipe the floor with everybody else, um, it can still happen. I mean, but if you go so back to... the rock, paper, scissors thing is also going to be a... Yeah. And if you go back to a lot of old karate moves, like, it, it, it does get refined over time. So, things that used to be, like, you would rip someone's eye out or you would, yeah, literally grab their junk and destroy it. Um, get, san- get sanded <laughs> down to punches and, you know, like maybe hammer fists and things like that. Whereas the old style would be, no, jam your finger into that, grab their hair, jam your thumb into their eye socket and then yeah. knee them in the jaw and stuff like that. So it's, it's, it can be interpreted in different ways is how they'll say it. Oh, you know, that's one interpretation of what that could be. Or you're just punching them in the nose. So, it's interesting. But yeah, you can get a lot out of it. And I was the same. I did karate for almost a decade and I just had to slow it down a bit because of back issues. And I too am keen to get back in there. But I think people can get a lot out of it physically and mentally. Yeah, definitely. Um, board games. Yeah, I like board yeah. games. It's almost I segwayed a while ago. It's almost as if I transitioned into board games because I couldn't get to the dojo as much. So I needed to find something else to fill my time. And I'm sure that's why my ever patient wife hasn't minded me cluttering the house up with them as much. Uh, and we should note that Steve, in a, you know, player to Facebook chat, posted some of these shelves. That is a lot of board games in that house that she is tolerating. Yeah, I, she bought some of the shelves. So as a, in a way, she's enabling... Um, <laughs> it's her fault. This it's her fault. sickness. Um, I'm sure she thought it was like, I don't want this shit scattered around the floor anymore. And you've just interrupted no, it. No, it was in the cupboards and she wanted it out of the cupboards because oh. she wanted the cupboards back. Um, Point so is, I don't out. think the message was buy more board games. No, probably not. But um, they hold value really well, surprisingly. So um, I have yet to l- really lose money selling any of them if I do get the point where I'm like, I don't want this one anymore. So that's like, that's one benefit of board games or video games. Video games hold zero value until they're like 30 years old. And even then it's a maybe. Did you keep it in perfect condition? Has it been touched? Did you get it graded? Oh, you got it graded and it's in perfect condition? Cool, it's worth a lot. What about my copy of Pokemon Stadium that has half the sticker ripped off and my brother wrote his name on it in permanent marker? I'll give you three bucks. Like it's, (laughs) I think that's sort of the, things that's um sort of happening especially with the secondary market in video games which is going crazy so check your shelves people you might be sitting on a gold mine um but outside of that board games seem to hold their value really well people are quite happy to pay almost brand new price for something um i guess just because it is that physical aspect of you having a thing and there's not really as much of an equivalent of digital copies of board games question Mm. it's all about that tactile sensation Question: We're not we're not talking your your traditional monopoly and game of life shit here. Oh um, God, no, no. Yes. Um, there's well, a place for that stuff. Question and was it... full on, like almost a pre-prepared. Well, I'm glad you asked, Sean. <laughs> no, those those are fine, but in a lot of ways, those games are so old. Like you're playing designs that are getting close to a hundred years old. And it's not surprising people don't think they're very good or you have a bad experience or it's just so dependent on luck. Like, you can strategize to a degree, Monopoly, but you literally roll a dice and it tells you it's how much... It's whoever buys the expensive move. shit first. Well, it's yeah. whoever rolls the dice that lets them land on that expensive shit yeah. first. It's 
board games the way I am into board games, uh, even beyond things like Catan, which would be maybe the next step up or Ticket to Ride or even these days Wingspan and things that you might see around shelves, um, even in Target and Big W starting to get things like Pandemic and Catan, um, where it's moving away from as much luck dependent stuff or roll and move and more tactics and strategy. And then you can go all the way up to, you know, very exacting war games where you're moving counters around with tweezers upon a board that's like seven tables put together and things right, like that. All right, Steve, I'm going to ask you not to talk about one of those. Oh, I, I'm not at that level yet, and I don't know if I'll <laughs> ever quite get there. Um, but some of the things I've been really been enjoying lately, uh, and for a while now, but um, I think it's sort of exploded with the pandemic, with people not being able to go out, board games sort of got a new lease on life a little bit and the industry has been building for quite a while now and I think all of those factors sort of came together to help it jump up quite a bit Um, especially solo gaming which I tend to do a lot of because it's harder and harder to you know play live with people and it was always in the past seen as like oh you play games by yourself that's so sad people who come from video games background that's generally the norm is you play the game by yourself so mm. for someone like me, I'm it's like, a per- yeah, it's, it's a perception. I think it's, it's yeah, it's like this discovery that I feel like my Twitter feed had a few years ago, which is going to the cinema by yourself is kind of awesome. Yeah, but there's such an association of that's why you go with friends or you go on a date yeah. that going yeah, by yourself is almost aspect, seen as like, pathetic. Oh, it's so sad. And you know, I guess the inverse being that video games not having the possibility to play with other people outside of an arcade or couch co-op, it was just the norm. Like, oh, cool, mm. and you can play with other people. And then you that just show it like, to your friends after school yeah. or whatever, but it was not built for that. That was the bonus feature, and it's sort of come around that way with board games. Like, oh, and you can play on your own? Like, yes. Um, so I do a lot of that. And one of the games I've been playing quite a lot is uh, Arkham Horror, the card game, which is a living card game from Fantasy Flight Games based on the Arkham Horror property, which is itself based on the Cthulhu mythos by H.P. Lovecraft. Sands a lot of the weird racist stuff that that dude was into. So we're talking about... An updated game that has, you know, trans characters and other things in it. Um, lots of minority characters. So, it's... Um, if you hear H.P. Lovecraft and think creepy old racist, uh, it has had some liberties taken with it to make it obviously more Less acceptable. Less creepy old racist. Yeah. Um, so, it is what's called a living card game. So, if you think of card games like Pokemon and Magic the Gathering where you buy an expensive pack of 12 cards and hope you get ones that are worthwhile... It's the complete opposite of that. You'll buy a pack of roughly around 60 cards and every pack has the same 60 cards in it. Uh, So basically, you just start to get a huge pool of cards to build your player deck with and you're not playing against other people. It's a cooperative endeavor against a deck of encounter cards built around a narrative. So you will put cards down to build a giant location on the table. So you travel between these different cards that are locations and then you have encounters with monsters and other things and there's a story that's happening at the same time. So you've got to investigate for clues generally. Then you spend those clues together to advance the story. And all the while you've got sort of this ticking doom clock that's counting down and every time you have encounters at the end of the, I think it's the mythos phase. So that can draw encounters but also adds doom on to the agenda And when that gets to a certain amount, it kicks the story up another notch and suddenly there might be a new enemy that's out on the board that's chasing you around. And these enemies will hunt you down. So they move themselves as well towards your locations. And it's just 
it's really intense and it's really enjoyable. Uh, you can play it multiplayer, so it plays up to four. So each person can have their own investigator character. Each deck can have its own type. So there's, I think, four or five different types of decks that you can build and each specialize in different things. Uh, so when you're like me and you play what they call true solo, where you're playing with one character, you have to build a deck that can do a little bit of everything or at least focus on the couple of things that are really important to beating enemies and getting clues. If you are playing as a group of four, you can really specialize into your area. So it's like, oh, I'm the person that does this one thing in our group. And it's just this really kind of interesting system to keep a game alive. I think they're just about to release the seventh campaign expansion this december um which is edge of the Sounds earth so video gamey when you start. It's, i know it's and it's kind of so edge of the earth is based on the um mansion uh, mountains of madness so it's going to be like antarctica weird crap happening down there which looks really exciting um and it's been running since 2016 so there's quite a lot of it one of the things that can be tricky with these uh, is that if you try to dive in late, you feel like you've missed too much of the product and it can be expensive to track down because it's between print runs and things like that. Um, the company Fantasy Flight are actually revising their entire production um, schedule and you used to have to buy what was called a deluxe box, which would have two scenarios in it. And then for six months after that came out, each month you would buy another pack that would give you another scenario in that campaign and also more cards to add to your player decks. So by the end of it, you'd have eight scenarios all up to complete a full campaign, but you've spent seven months buying all of that. And then sometimes if you don't get it when it comes out, oh, you can't get that one pack. Uh, From personal experience, there was one pack in one of the cycles that I had to spend 12 months waiting to get because it was out of print. So what they are now doing is they have gone, okay, we're not going to do that anymore. We're going to release two boxes. One giant box has all the player cards we would release in a cycle. The other box has the entire campaign. If you don't want more player cards because you feel like you've got enough of those now, buy the campaign box and you play the campaign. If you decide you want more player cards, go and buy the player card box. So condense it down to two boxes, drop the price a little bit and make it easier for... Um, retailers to carry the products as well because if you were carrying a full Arkham line at your like say you yeah, own the game store you're carrying thing. about 70 products that's that's too, that, that's just too much of a burden to keep on your yeah. shelves like you need it's ridiculous so with the consolidation of all of this it's going to shrink it down to maybe 20 or so different things once they release all of them because they haven't gone back and done it yet so the first one to do this new big box approach is this edge of the earth campaign and then coming out early next year they're going way back to the very first cycle they released and doing it in that big box set so if you're like "Ooh, i've just gotten into arkham horror the card game but i can't get this stuff because it's out of print they're like no we're re-releasing that and it's going to be cheaper and we're going to do that so you can catch up Cool, so your recommendation is, this is fun, you should play it. If you can't buy it now, don't buy it on eBay. Wait, it'll come out again and you won't spend as much. Absolutely. Um, And they're just about to put out a revised core set. So the the old core set, which is a pretty thin box, can only really play up to two players. They say you can do four, but it's a lie. You can only build two decks (laughs) out of that set. Um, But the revised box they're just about to put out lets you build four decks out of the box. So even if you're only playing with two players, you can then mix and match characters and things like that. Um, if you're not really into the spooky Lovecraftian eldritch horror stuff, uh, 
Fantasy Flight also make Marvel Champions, which if you like Marvel superheroes, this is the card game for you. It's the same model, um, but slightly tweaked. So you buy your core set, and there's heroes and villains. So in that core box, you get five heroes. You get Spider-Man, Captain Marvel, Iron Man, uh, She-Hulk, and Black Panther. And you get Rhino and Claw and Ultron. And you battle against those enemies. And then when you're buying boosters for that game, you're buying heroes or villains. So you're like, ooh, but I want to play as, I don't know, Miss Marvel. So you go and buy the Miss Marvel deck for 20 bucks and it's pre-built for you. You can play it straight out of that box. You don't have to do as much deck building. And it's awesome. It's um, a slight tweak on the way those games usually work. So what you're doing every round, you draw a certain amount of cards and you want to spend all of those cards to take your actions. Like you're not trying to carry things over between turns. And then they've got like themed big expansions. So they've done Rise of the Red Skull and then they released some characters around that. They've then did Guardians of the Galaxy. So you can get Star-Lord and Drax and Gamora and play against the Collector and all of these other sorts of Guardians themed characters. They've just released uh, Mad Titan Shadow, which is um, Thanos. And the next one coming out is like a a really cool looking Spider-Man box that's going to have lots of Spider-Man themed villains and heroes in it. So if you're into Marvel stuff and you want like an amazing card game that's going to keep you busy for months on end, Marvel Champions is the way to go. I don't love Marvel stuff, but otherwise... (laughs) (coughs) Marvel for a while. Although, just mad shout out Shout out to Steve there for like perfect timing on his muting of his microphone. Nobody heard that cough. But now everybody's attention has been brought to it because I'm a dick. <laughs> Please just play Marvel Champions. I don't get any I don't get any money from Fantasy Flight by the way. Like I've I've paid don't tell my wife. I've played paid quite a lot of money for all of these products. Yeah, don't um, say the number. She may have, she may one day find this podcast. Yes. Um, but yeah, so two really cool uh, living card games that um, are lots of fun. Uh, Marvel Champions is a bit easier than um, Arkham Horror, but th- the good thing about either of them is you can probably buy a second-hand core set if you wanted to for fairly cheap um, from you someone who tried it. You just said that it all held like your it. value. Yeah, that's a, well, fairly cheap being like you know, you could pick up a core set for thirty to thirty-five bucks of um, Arkham Horror. Which, no, it's not like the know, price of a cafe latte in Sydney these days. Well, I, I, I've paid 40 bucks brand new for a set. So 35 bucks is, you know, that person still, they've lost five bucks to try the game. Um, so that's a good thing about these. Like if you, if it's, if you're like, oh, I would actually like to give that a try, but I don't want to go all in, go and buy the core set, try it out. Um, then if it's really not your thing, you can probably sell it for, you know, 50 or 60 bucks. If it's these new core sets that have like twice as much stuff in them. Because the Marvel set plays four out of the box. So, you know, if you've got kids who are into Marvel and they love that, um, I think Marvel Champions is a good one for younger kids as well. Like, you know, eight and up, um, they can probably wrap their head around it. And it's a way, you know, for parents and kids to have a crack at a fun game together. You're going to have old school family game night. But it's not monopoly and everyone gets sad because someone is charging them rent why is that a fun game that's my i life. should probably fact like, check this a friend did tell me that game was originally designed as a crit um as critique a criticism of, 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 of capitalism and surprise me 
it makes sense. Like, the game literally shows that it's a luck of the dice over who owns everything and then everybody else goes broke. That is literally what Monopoly breaks down to. What a, it, it reminds me of a, a Japanese term I um, heard recently, um, Oya Gacha, which is basically yeah, like, you know... parental lottery, yeah, basically. Yeah, parental lottery. Like, oh, you were born with rich parents, so of course you're going to have a great life. You were born with poor yeah, parents. Oh, that sucks. It's a nice way of putting it in Japanese, but man, it applies around the world pretty well. Yeah. Anyway, we are running actually pretty long now, so I guess I'll keep this short. Um, keeping on the what's, Japanese theme, actually, what's yeah. What's your passion, Tim? What is your My passion? My passion is going back to something that got me... made me start to become aware of how much the stuff I actually liked as a kid was from Japan. I had no idea that the video games I was playing were like 80% Japanese when I was 8 years old. Um, until um, Neon Genesis Evangelion aired on SBS like back in 99 and I finally finally even though it was being Japanese cinemas like half a year ago got around to watching the last of those um, reboot movies um, and num- one like fuck Amazon <laughs> I Not is, part- I just want to ask do you know if that last movie is going to be coming out on Blu-ray or 4K at all this is what I'm it- getting to I did better be coming out on Blu-ray also is that Amazon you would get my money from that anyway because I don't know where else I'm going to buy it from overseas because the Japanese version will probably never have English subtitles on it <laughs> and it'll be like $200 it's crazy how much they still charge for physical media here because I have the first three on Blu-ray and I wanted this one on Blu-ray as well like me too. I don't buy that many things on physical media anymore, but, like, Evangelion is, like, a key piece of media from my life, so it's, like, one of those things I want to have, and Blu-ray is still better quality than even 4K streaming a lot of the time. Oh, yeah. But here's here's where it got really sweet, so I'm like, all right, finally managed to make time when I sit down and watch this, I've paid the month's Prime membership just so I can see this thing. 30 minutes before, at about 30 minutes from the end of the movie, Prime Video just shits the bed. Just hangs up, crashes alright turn the TV off turn the TV back on again sorry reset the PS5 I was watching it through same issue alright I'll try colors don't pop as much when I do it this way but I'll run it straight, straight through the um, that app on the TV still no dice okay is our internet fucked no because Netflix and YouTube were streaming perfectly Amazon. It took two days before I was able to watch that last 30 minutes. Oh, no. That's terrible. Yeah. It's not like I waited, like, five years of my life to see this movie or anything. It's literally been about five years since, like... I mean, these movies are all, like, five years apart from each other, actually. Oh, yeah. But th- that last film was a long time ago. Yeah, it was a long time. Like, And the third one is probably the weakest of the lot as well. So it's like, this is, like, a long time coming to see. Is this gonna... Yeah, is this gonna... Are they Can they stick the landing? Yeah. Uh, my answer there is like yes and no but I, I say yes in this weird position where I'm still completely convinced the original TV ending is basically perfect I have all of that stuff I've got the platinum box and it's signed by half the voice cast I've got the um, the movie box set that is apparently ultra rare to get these days as well that has um you know end of Evangelion and um what is it the death uh, death and rebirth yeah, yeah death and rebirth so I've got both of those on DVD as well still in their nice little nerve um box set i've got that stuff without the boxes and um and obviously i've got the other ones on blu-ray as we said so yeah i'm i'm there with you i i love evangelion and it was such a transformative experience to watch at that particular point when it was airing on sps and it's, it's actually kind of wild to go back and look at it now and see like how far ahead of, or how far on its own thing it like 
really was. And I recently had this flashback because I was been thinking again about how much I really, really love that TV ending, which a lot of people hated because it was mm. seen as like just a zero budget cop out. Um, I remember this argument like two people were having when I was at university, and like it was literally a Marvel fan and an anime fan. <laughs> it was yeah. that sort of standoff that happened in the early two thousands. A lot, and like one of them, like his basic argument is like, well, no, Shinji's just a bitch. You just want to pick him up and slap him. What kind of lead character is that? And you're like watching it again now, and like going, okay, so this lead character is this like his kid who's literally never been loved. His parent abandoned him. Like kind of calls, says, yeah. pilot this giant robot that you've never seen before in your life, and maybe I will show you some affection. He immediately sees stuff that would give grown men PTSD for the rest of their lives. Oh yeah, it's a, uh, and I think that's the thing, like. People read it as like, oh, well, if that was me, I wouldn't act that way. No, I'm, you wouldn't. I'm no, a you wouldn't. Tough guy. It's like, no, like, Shinji has massive character. He's also, like, a just part of it. broken person at the start yeah. of the show. And that's the thing I think the thing I found fascinating about the show in general is, like, there are so many plot threads, threads, and I still can't speak. I need to watch the movies again. That At the moment, my belief is that the TV series holds them all together better. Yeah. There's actually so much stuff going on, and it's weirdly all super well tied together. Like, it seems like Anno and the writing crew actually knew how everything slowed together. It's completely wild. Um, but it, fundamentally, it's just fascinated with the way that people fall apart. Yeah, and it's and it's it's reflective of he himself when he was making that show. Like, isn't it just... He was not in a good place. Working <laughs> through his own depression. Yeah. And it the was... ending of the TV show is like the happy ending where he doesn't neck himself and the no, show that, never gets finished. That's why the... Yeah. No, the, and the, t- the thing is, I find genius, and I don't want to actually go into too much of the details because mm. a lot of people probably still haven't seen this that only got back onto Netflix, back onto Netflix a couple of years ago. Um, and then the movies, you have to go to Prime for these movies and I put it all in the one place. <laughs> um, but the thing that makes a TV so genius is it, it just feels like you're working through an epiphany where you don't have to hate yourself. Like, that's the end of yeah. that show's message is you don't... And the, if you actually look at it from the lens of what's happening in the real world, like, in the meat space, it's actually kind of terrifying. <laughs> but, like, yeah. when it, it just becomes a character study. And it's really uplifting. The um, movie ending goes... Oh, my God, it gets so weird. It gets so weird. I'm, I'm going to say something... I haven't that's... seen that last one yet, so do I need to... Oh, do I need oh to, man. Do I need to... You, I think my... you need to see it just to see... The, so, it's hard... Like the, it gets it. It's the most anime of the Evangelion movies. Like, um, I mean, Evangelion is anime, so, so it has things. some anime stuff. But it it really goes all in, in that crazy there, mm. and some of it's like still really interesting. It does some like clever things, and it reaches a similar conclusion of like the idea that maybe your life doesn't have to suck, and a huge amount of that is simply you realizing that, but also understanding that it's not as simple as telling a person to get over it, which is, no. again, a part of what I love about Evangelion is, like, yeah, you're, the issue that everybody faces in life, at least in the first world countries, I guess I shouldn't be too, is that you need to get over something. But it's also actually incredibly hard to get over said thing, and telling a person to just get over it doesn't work. Um, but the thing that's really struck me is, like, the bigger your TV is, the better your sound system is for this last week. Like, it is clearly designed to have been seen in a cinema. To the point where my once glorious 55-inch TV just felt like it wasn't quite cutting it. Ugh. Like, there are some crazy exploded shits and then some creepy... If you thought Ray could be kind of creepy in the TV show, or particularly End of Evangelion, you have not seen anything yet. <laughs> okay, that's uh, off-putting. But, but it, I've, got, I've got my 75-inch TV, I've got my surround sound. Oh, dude, you're sweet. I was sitting there going, man, I wonder if I could justify 75 inches. It's starting to become a thing. I've had I this TV for half a decade now. Through the combination of a sale and having a bunch of gift cards. 
outside of that, that, w- that was never happening for me. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm... It's it's interesting that Evangelion specifically seems like such a touchstone for people through that SBS connection as well. Like, In Australia, it would be, I guess. Just... Yeah. And one of the things that I noticed um, when I more recently went to the cinema, they, were, they showed a, a preview trailer for the Boku no Hero Academia film, and it was all... Um, subbed and I'm like I'm like this is I'm like this is crazy I'm like to be able to sit in a cinema and you're seeing previews for anime films that they they literally at the end of the trailer it's like subbed and dubbed that they're like pushing the sub towards I'm guessing this is just like a native language this is just a regular Hoyts you haven't gone to like some no, art was, house I was, I was in Logan I was at a cinema in Logan damn southeast Queensland <laughs> that is so, wild I, I I I think it's going to be amazing if people loving terrible shonen anime is the thing that really starts to open up international cinema and gets people realising that hey a movie can be good if I'm reading subtitles I mean, anime for me did lead to me watching a lot of other movies on SVS. Oh, yeah. And then that probably led to my cinema study at university as well. Um, And then I left Australia and it turned out it was really hard to get international cinema, even in London. And it got even harder. And in Japan, it's impossible because I only ever supply Japanese subtitles. Yeah. And I can probably read a thousand kanji, but that one, that's not enough. And two, I cannot read them that fast. Yeah. So, yeah, um... That sucks. I should probably get a um, VPN at some point. But anyway, closing you- closing comment in this is it is like this movie is super weird. It is wild to me that something that gets this weird and this out there and it is fucking weird. My fuck of a movie could be this much of a cultural touchstone. Is it? Do you think it's done? And if it if this was it and it's completely done, are you satisfied? I'm still satisfied with the TV ending, so it doesn't matter. I'm I'm You're satisfied. Like, I was with satisfied as, as an alternate years ago, thing. This is fine. <laughs> Um, I don't think it destroys that. Like, it, it goes off... I mean, the first movie follows the TV series very closely, and then at the very end, um, a character shows up which just twists everything on its head. And then the second powers through way more episodes than you would think would make sense for the schedule, and then it just yeah. goes completely completely off the rails. And I think the manga, which I've read the first couple of but haven't gone deep on, also actually takes its own trajectory so it seems like Evan Gellin is just now this broken person and his dad and these other characters surrounding him as a starting point and then we see where we end up <laughs> but I think if anything they maybe they're 10-20 years from now they'll reanimate the entire TV series and if they do that then I would not want them to fuck with the story too much or they'll get around to that oft threatened live action adaptation which I, oh God. I do not want I was mildly optimistic about the Cowboy Bebop one until I saw the opening sequence which is just trying too hard I feel that you're I don't know I feel like I'll get in trouble for saying this but I feel like your common anime fan will be extremely happy with that I feel like that Cowboy Bebop live thing had potential maybe still has potential but that I do not have a lot of confidence on that revealed opening sequence I mean, we've all seen what happens when they turn Dragon Ball or Avatar live action, so... Okay, it cannot be as bad as Avatar. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, we've now spent way too much time t- um, touching on probably the two cornerstone 90s anime that were not on 
major channel TV. And I'm going to say we've actually probably run too long overall. So, um, Sean, wake up. Snap, snap. Where can yeah, we find you? What have you got to pimp? Um, alright. So, uh, weekly on Wednesdays, I have a couch co-op video going live where I basically sit down and play a game with my kid. Well, one of my kids. Um, currently on the weekends, I'm doing a full playthrough with uh, my eldest child of A Way Out, the prison escape game. Um, that just kicked off the first two episodes, went live last weekend. Uh, the Fist review has gone live today, actually. So a couple of, it'll have been out for a couple of days by the time you hear this. And yeah, everything all through Player 2 and their associated channels. Cool, cool. Twitter handle, anything? Ah, yes. Um, at SeanHubP2. So, cool and Steve <laughs> and Steve I presume you have lots of stuff uh, Lost Judgment hopefully within the next week well it has to be in the next week because I've got to go back to work um, and <laughs> some hardware right. stuff coming up so uh, if you've enjoyed my dulcet tones this episode that is thanks to the HyperX Quadcast S which is um quite an engaging piece of kit so far so i'll be getting a review of that out fairly shortly and i think we've got some more hardware stuff on the horizon um that's just in the works at the moment yeah other yeah, than that um at gorath 44000 on twitter and uh yeah check out the stuff that's on player two check out sean's stuff check it all out Yes, and I will say, as the person who has to edit this show, I am quite grateful that Steve does sound a lot clearer this episode. <coughs> um, as for me, I actually do have a review c- coming, and I believe the embargo does say that I'm allowed to say that I'm reviewing Jet. The Far Shore. However, I'm not allowed to say anything about it yet, so all I can say is there. It's going to land sometime in October. Um, I would have reviewed Kana, but they never sent us a code. I consider that a fair reason to have not gotten that done. Anyway, Sean, stop picking your fingers. I'm not. Yeah, you are. <laughs> that, the, the, not. <laughs>